you eat like a bird. You would know, of course. <laughs> Not really. Anyway, I hear that the expression, eats like a bird, is really a falsity. Because birds really eat a tremendous lot. I don't really know anything about birds. My hobby is stuffing things. You know, taxidermy. Welcome to part two of our psycho episode, our psycho duet. The psycho two-step. Yes, there we go. Um, our friends from Franchise Killers have stepped out. They didn't want to take part in this this segment of the episode. They said, we're not going to promote your patron. You do your own dirty work. So while they're out there stretching their legs, it's time for PP, our patron pitch. This is where we let our patrons know what they can expect on their exclusive patron feed. And we also let non-patrons know what they're missing out on. This is October, starting October. That means a fresh batch of QVRs. And uh, also, it being October, long-time listeners know that it also means we celebrate our anniversary. And it's it's time for the, for the embrace of the Petronis. But we'll get into that in a minute. First, Alex... We have Jordan Mans setting us up with uh, two new QVRs. He wants mm-hmm. you to do a quick video review of the movie The Art of Self-Defense. Have you even heard of this? Is that the Jesse Eisenberg movie from a few years ago? Yes, it is. I remember seeing the trailer and hearing a little bit about it when it came out, and it is one of those that just fell through the cracks and I never got to see. So, uh, But I wanted to, and I was aware of it. It's uh, Jesse Eisenberg and... Imogene Poots. Oh, I like Imogene Poots. I just like her name. <laughs> uh, so that movie's on Hulu, just like mine. Uh, he's giving the movie Mass. And then I said, Black Mass, the Johnny Depp movie? And he said, no, just Mass. It's on Hulu. So all I know about this is that it's not the Johnny Depp movie based on the serial killer. Uh, have you heard of Mass? No, but it's got your girl Martha Plimpton in it. Hey, our girl, actually. There you go. We can share the love for Martha Plimpton. Uh, so quick video <laughs> reviews from both those movies, uh, from Alex and myself. That will be on the on the Patreon feed, along with the Petronis, uh, which is uh, the, the mirror image of the Embrys. And what is the Embrys? Well, the Embrys is our, our anniversary celebration that we do once a year, where we hand out awards to the best and the worst of uh, what the contrarians have covered over 12 months. So uh, there'll be more information on the website, but basically it's just like our little, we love award shows here on the contrarians and we, we just like to throw our own. It's kind of like mm-hmm. to celebrate that we made it one more year in this cutthroat business of podcasting. Uh, Those are like the most addictive videos and shit on YouTube or the clickbait articles mm-hmm. is when it's like awards or countdown lists or something like that. So we want to get it on that fun too. I'll I'll just say this, Alex. Vince Vaughn is eligible. This episode, the, the two psychos are eligible for the 2022 Embrys. So let that marinate in your mind. I fear uh, last action hero is going to sweep. Oh man, and for fucking, he's just not that into you. We got like 30 eligible people from that movie. <laughs> Maybe Ken Quapis will get an honorary uh, award. Just for, for finally making it to the contrary. Bradley Cooper for most like <laughs> most beat upable. Uh, anyway, we do that on the main feed and then on the patron feed because we have so many episodes that are exclusive to patrons. Those get their own awards, so we'll we'll do that with the Patronis, which is also a lot of fun. So there's that, and then 
Of course, Contrarians After Hours. That's the spin-off show where we tell you about other things that we've been watching, reading, playing, listening to, thinking about. Uh, Alex, what's what's on your mind for Contrarians After Hours this time? Eating people. That's what's on my mind. <laughs> uh, Netflix. Uh, last week, I think it was. September 21st. Yeah, they dropped the miniseries uh, Monster. The Jeffrey Dahmer story. Or excuse me, it's Dahmer dash monster colon the Jeffrey Dahmer story. <laughs> Parenthesis, a Netflix original. Yes, there you go. And you know how I am about streaming services and miniseries that come along. I still haven't even finished Ozark for Christ's sake, but uh, this was like immediately, you know how Netflix is. You log in on the splash there. It's like whatever's new. And I was like, hmm, because as has been talked about since the birth of this podcast, I'd uh, big horror fan, but also in my younger years when my uh, mental capacity was a bit different and a bit altered. I went through a phase of great interest in uh, some of America's more famous and notorious serial killers. So I have a, a cachet of knowledge pertaining to Jeffrey Dahmer that no normal person should really be proud of. So I was like, hmm, let's see how this dramatic retelling is. And uh, I have uh, some things to say, some good, some bad. I will set the table for what you can expect, what you should expect, and what you should not expect going into it. The good news is Molly Ringwald is alive and well and still doing good shit. <laughs> Our prayers having answered. Thank you, Netflix. That's right. Julio, what are you bringing to After Hours? All right, Alex. Uh, I'm going to first, I'm going to start with uh, the most relevant thing that I'm bringing to After Hours, and that is uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Rope, uh, the movie Rope. Not, nice. You know, any not other his actual rope. rope. <laughs> yeah, not his actual rope. Um, as I think we mentioned on the video, the preview video that we did for this episode, uh, Peacock has a whole lot of Alfred Hitchcock stuff. And uh, I don't know for how much longer. <laughs> so I decided to uh, take care of some blind spots while they still have them. And uh, I picked Rope because it's the, the one Hitchcock movie that I always heard about and was curious about and I still hadn't seen. Knock that out. I'm going to tell you about it. That's that's how we're going to close the After Hours because it's the most relevant you know, episode on Psycho. After Hours about rope. But additionally, I'm going to pimp a couple of shows that I really like. One that's going to just get on your nerves. But it's been a while since I've talked about the Marvel Universe uh, on the main feed Oof. or on After Hours. So I'm going to tell you about uh, the wonderful She-Hulk TV show. that It's about halfway through its first season. Sorry to hear that. I don't think I'm going to convince you to watch it, but maybe I'll I'll make you uh, smile and nod in, in, I guess, acknowledgement of my enthusiasm for that show. Uh, and then I'm going to tell you and all our patrons about the Hulu original reboot, uh, which stars Rachel Bloom, who that's someone else that I haven't talked about in a while on this show. Uh, but once upon a time, when Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was on the air... Uh, it felt like I was bringing up that show every few episodes because that show was great. Uh, Rachel Bloom was, you know, the creator and the star of that show. And now she's on another show. And I was like, give it to me. So I jumped on Hulu. It just started. They're doing that thing where they're dropping the episodes every week. So I think it started last week. They dropped the first three and now it's just weekly until the end of the season. It's really funny. It has an all-star cast that I'm going to tell you about as I'm telling you on, on After Hours. So I'm not going to reveal it here. But uh it's about a, a 
an old sitcom that gets rebooted for the today's audiences, and it's that alone makes it really funny. Uh, so reboot, She-Hulk, Rope, <laughs> one of these things is not like the other, and uh, and then the the new Jeffrey Dahmer miniseries on Netflix. Netflix has like the algorithm has you figured out, Alex, because. It feels like they're just putting it out just for you. I haven't seen that any sort of advertisement for that Dumber miniseries, which I guess means that the algorithm has me figured out as well. Um, All I watch on Netflix is uh, Seinfeld and movies from that 90 minutes or less section. And so they're just like, <laughs> this guy this will probably guy. binge on this. Yes. <laughs> this guy likes serial killers. <laughs> anyway... You don't have to like Serial Killers to join our Patreon. If any of what we've said sounds interesting, and there's more. There's uh, cutting room floor stuff, like anything that doesn't make it to main episodes. There's our pre-recording notes. There's our uh, Rock Scene miniseries. There's our Summer Break trilogy. Lots of stuff. Just join the Contrarians uh, supplements. Get on that search engine on the Patreon page. Look and see. Wade through the the tons of material that we have there just go to patreon.com slash contrarian prime and uh check it out join the contrarians family one dollar three dollar five dollars and ten dollars our respective tiers go check it out drop us a buck look around see what you like tell us what you like tell us what you don't like uh if you want to reach out to us on twitter that's fine or we are the contrarians at gmail.com is an outlet as well to all of our current and existing patrons god knows we love y'all dearly and like a as I like to say, we're taking new applications. If you have any questions about what you can expect, you can reach out to us as well. But we will continue to pump out the content there for you, our patrons, because we love to do so. And now, Alex, let's uh, let's bring those franchise killers back in so we can have a, a serious, heartfelt discussion about the original Psycho and the superior remake, the 1998 Psycho. Got a vacancy? Oh, we have 12, in fact. 12 cabins. All right, there they are. The franchise killers are back in the studio. And we, Alex, can't avoid it anymore. It's time to to talk about Psycho, the Psycho remake, and all the things in between. Uh, Alex, I'm going to let you just design how this goes. All I can tell you is that I have three quotes, rotten quotes, for the remake. And I have a a lot of uh, opinions about the remake. Not so many about the original. How do you want to handle this? I mean, the original is one of those things like, what is there left to be said? Um, it's <laughs> it's worthy of its legacy, I guess. Uh, let's <laughs> just start off by breaking down the financials. As I mentioned in the first uh, half, the, rele- the New York City release of Psycho, June 16th, 1960, and a nationwide release in the U.S. on September 8th of 1960, a budget of just a hair over $800,000, a box office return of $50 million. That's a lot of Missoula 1960s money. Uh, conversely, we had the 1998 Gus Van Zant Psycho released December 4th of 1998. They were thinking this was going to do like some fucking holiday season awards bullshit. <laughs> this Christmas, everybody goes a little mad. Yeah. Check in, stay, sit by the fire. <laughs> to be fair, as our guests uh, had called out quite accurately in the first part, uh, Gus Van Zant just made Goodwill Hunting. This was his fucking follow-up to it. So, of course, they're going to release it at Christmas and awards season time and just 
see what happens. They thought they had a winner on their hands, so much so that they sunk $60 million into it and recouped under 40. Um, I don't know if any of y'all know, Julio and I were talking about this. I'm curious if like the trailer or the TV spots for this were like, from the mind that brought you Goodwill Hunting comes Psycho. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of curious if that was any part of the the marketing that went into it, but... I did not research any of that. Uh, I should have, though. I'm very curious how you would market something like this. Like, hey, remember the old one? This is <laughs> the new the one. Same. <laughs> like, uh, honestly, it, it should have been just the big tagline should have been, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, <laughs> Colorize it. Colorize it. <laughs> I think uh, the question of I don't know how they would have marketed it goes into like the overall who thought this was a good idea type thing or who asked for this type thing uh i want to touch on Gus van zandt th- there you go uh <laughs> worth mentioning that it was up for quite a few awards at the 1999 the 19th annual golden raspberries uh including uh, one uh worst remake or sequel and worst director so gus van zandt the highest of highs wow lowest of lows <laughs> Uh, and then Anne Heche was nominated for worst actress, but uh, lost out. And I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna stick my finger up here and have a point of contention with this. She lost to the Spice Girls in Spice World. Having recently rewatched Spice World <laughs> and realizing that it's like a parody, like comedy, I think I'm gonna have a moment of contention with that. I'm not saying Spice World's good, but I think it's better than some people give it credit for. It does not belong in the worst movies of all time discussion, nor is it as bad as the Psycho remake here. Yeah. Also, the Razzies are complete bullshit, and all they do is capitalize off of popular uh, opinion at the time of what is bad, and Correct. then just award the most. Like, oh, populace thinks that this is bad, so it gets the award. Um, so far yeah. more egregious though was they nominated too much by Spice Girls for worst original song, whereas too much for you Spice Girls fans out there know that is the banger of all Spice Girls bangers. <laughs> so fuck right off. <laughs> uh, alongside uh, Gus Van Zant for worst director was Michael Bay for Armageddon, Jeremiah S. Uh, Chichik for The Avengers, Roland Emmerich for Godzilla. So this is exactly what you're saying. And then um, I didn't realize how many sequel or uh, remakes there were that year or reboots because there was Godzilla and then Lost in Space Godzilla Psycho and Lost in Space all big budget kind of flops of course Godzilla and Lost in Space a a bit more so but you you get the point here Um, for viewing myself I have a Steelbook Blu-ray of the original Psycho transfer was gorgeous Julio and I both watched the remake on Peacock which is a standard definition transfer and a little bit of research I found out uh, I don't know how into physical media any of y'all are but um, big into it okay so Scream Factory has the distribution rights on Blu-ray to the 98 Psycho and for those of y'all who know Scream Factory they're uh, they come with a bit of a pretty penny. So I imagine they own yeah. the HD transfer in full. So I was just curious, any physical media screenings in the group? Anyone watch any Blu-rays or did everyone go to the streaming services for this? Oh, I'm not that crazy. I, I, we rented this. <laughs> Although we did have a Blu-ray. Yeah, we have a Blu-ray. Yeah, it for the original. Gift, yeah, for the original, yeah, yeah, not yeah. for the 98. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. I We're not that dedicated. I was yeah. talking about the 98. I definitely own the uh, the Blu-ray for yeah. uh, Psycho. Uh, streaming on both sides for me. 
Well, so, so Reese, you said that you just watched uh, Psycho for the first time last year. So did you buy it and then watch it or did you buy it after watching it? I kind of, yeah, I blind bought it. I was like, I Hitchcock is kind of a big blind spot for me. Uh, I've weirdly, I'm weirdly one of the ones who had seen Rear Window before Psycho. So really, hey, me too. Uh, yeah, I really liked Rear Window a lot. And Psycho was always one of those ones where I was like, ah, I know I should get around to it. It's much of a, in the same camp as Citizen Kane. And then mm-hmm. upon watching it, I was like, where has this movie been all my life? <laughs> but, uh, well, that, yeah. it came up when I think you came over. I think, I don't know how, this happens often for Reese and I, where I'm just like, hey, you want to come over and watch something? He's like, sure. Mm-hmm. And he does, and we figure out what we're going to watch. Usually he has a suggestion. But um, a while back, he brought uh, Irene and I had a gift. It's a Hitchcock collection. And uh, we're like, none of us have seen Psycho. Yeah. Like, have, oh, Irina. Oh, sorry. Excuse no, you. No, the thing is, I brought sorry. I brought that because I knew Irina was uh, more of the Hitchcock She's person a Hitchcock in the fan, group. Yeah. So. And in recent, I hadn't seen it. And yeah. so he's like, let's watch it. And no, so. actually, I will correct you. Irina was the one that suggested watching this in this case. Whatever. I know Selective you, memory. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just remember Reese and I being, we haven't seen this. Let's watch it. This yeah, was yeah. very much an Irina saying, Reese, David, you've got to see Psycho. All so right, all we right. did that. It's just rare for Irina to impose, like, which is why we movie. watched it because I never suggest. Yeah, you anything. never watch. You never suggest the movie. Yeah, it's such a strange film. The first time you see it, you feel like you've seen it all, but it's still mind blowing. And then every time you, yeah. yeah, I think that was that's kind of part of the problem, or what happened with you, Reese, where you had seen Rear Window first because you feel like you have seen Psycho. You you feel like you know all the twists. You know everything about it. So you kind of just bump it down the road, you know, thinking, oh, I'll watch mm-hmm. I'll watch a lesser, uh, not lesser film of Hitchcock, but one that isn't as broadcasted yeah. and infiltrated every bit of media that, yeah. like, Psycho has. And, and while everyone does know that iconic scene, I think what people don't realize until they watch Psycho for the first time is that scene happens halfway through the movie, yep. not, mm-hmm. like, at the end. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> that's the big thing. <laughs> you may or may not have known this, Reese, but I, I, I don't know if you remember when we first watched it. I was actually caught off guard because I knew all the beats to the movie because of the fact that everything parodies it. But I didn't know the order. So yeah, like yeah. when yeah. when when she dies early, I knew there was a twist. I knew there was something. But I was just like, oh, shit. She oh, died yeah. in like 30, 40 minutes. Wait, I feel like one yeah. of you said... Uh, like as soon as the shower turned on, like she walks into that was me. the bathroom, you said, "Oh, already?" Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was caught off guard by how early it happened, and yeah. then I also didn't. I specifically didn't look it up, and I didn't know that he was like, pre- like psychologically <sighs> having issues with his mom. So I kind of came in more fresh than yeah. most people. I will say yeah. that made me so happy though when you guys were commenting on like, "Oh shit, his mom like killed her or whatever." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, they don't know." I'm so excited. Yep. <laughs> Norman Bates no longer exists. He only half existed to begin with. Now, the other half has taken over. I think it's important to keep context in mind, too. And we'll get into this when we talk about the remake. But, like, the modern example, I guess it's not even modern anymore. But the example, Hulu and I, when we did our um, YouTube uh, portion for this is... 
you know, people are kind of used to not being surprised by anything ever since Drew Barrymore died in the opening of Scream uh, from a horror perspective. And so, mm-hmm. but you put yourself in the context of what we mentioned in the first half of like people just go to the movies to see a movie. No one could have ever foreseen something like this happening. It's like the main character you're mm-hmm. with is like, oh my God, she died. Have, now what do we do? Mm-hmm. Like, are we supposed to stay here? Do we watch the rest of this movie? And then it just, you know, <laughs> unravels and gets crazier and crazier. And, um, all right, so my contribution here, as with most things in life, you can relate it to professional wrestling, and there are two direct tie-ins to the world of pro wrestling from Psycho. Number one, in 1996, there was a wrestler. He wrestled all throughout the 90s, but his name was Sid, Sid Justice, Sid Vicious, a uh, man of many names, the master and the ruler of the world. But um, he became Psycho Sid in 96 in the WWF, and was just this really crazy character. And he was really good at it. So Sid fucking ruled. But the guy they had, who the in-house guy who made their entrance themes for the wrestlers, Jim Johnston, made an entrance theme that uh, sampled the meep, meep, meep. And then it puts like this beat <laughs> behind it. It's a fucking banger of a song. Uh, <laughs> and then secondly, in 2002, they used the Psycho House for an ad they filmed for their pay-per-view that was in the month of October that year. Uh, the skit, it was basically just like a commercial and the ad was, uh, I don't know if anyone here is a baseball fan, but Pete Rose is living in the psycho house and little kids are coming up dressed up as wrestlers and he turns them all away and doesn't give them candy until the real wrestlers show up and beat them up, that type of thing. But it was the, <laughs> the psycho house and I remember watching a behind the scenes on it and because uh, it was just on the back lot. I think it still is at Universal because when I was a teenager, we went there and got a tour and got to see it, um, which was fucking cool and that's when i got a poster at universal for that and i last time i went i got like a stationery that had bates motel and it looked like it had blood splattered on it and that type of thing um but i I think we'll get into coming back to the original but before we get into the quotes for the remake julio you've been uh concerningly quiet while we've been saying praise about the original here, I just want to make sure you're not going to hit us with something like it's okay or not for me, or uh, it wasn't a Marvel movie. So I didn't like it or anything like that. There wasn't enough universe building Alex. It wasn't like Anthony Perkins, Norman Bates will return in psycho Two. I want to know the origin story of his mom. Like, where- <laughs> no, no. It's called Bates motel, the TV Bates show. Motel. Yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I didn't watch it. <laughs> exactly. Um, before before I tell you about my psycho thoughts, uh, AJ, I did you did you read the book first and then watch the movie, or watch the movie first and then read the book? Ooh, I'm trying to think. Um, read the book first. Yeah. Okay, so that's even like that has to be a Hardcore. less a less common experience. Yeah, you're a unicorn. Like, well, that- it's impressive how um, you know. As far as adaptations go, I mean, it's very faithful to the book. There's a couple of details that are, you know, shifted or, or omitted, but um, it's very faithful to the book. So there were no surprises when you were watching it at all. Uh, I and see that's that's to Hitchcock's credit and to Perkins' credit, especially the I call it the "Here's Johnny" moment where you know he shows up dressed as the mom at the end. Like you know, I kind of see things coming. You know the the writing on the wall, but even when he shows up in costume, um, it's still like kind of, it's still shocking. 
because, you know, what he did well is you always look for if you're trying to debunk something or, you know, what's going on uh, while you're watching the movie. I'm like, okay, is he in the same place as his mother? Do they show them in the same room at simultaneously or is it him? Well, you know, at that one point where he's carrying that body, mm-hmm. it, you know, they're very careful about the shots that not showing that it's a corpse. You know, he's carrying the mom down the stairs. It's like, oh, well, there's two people there. So it, maybe it's not the mom. So um, that that's really cool how, you know, there's still, even if you knew the story by chance, um, it's there's still shocks to be had. Mm-hmm. Well, as far as I go, uh I was gonna say I think it's okay. No, uh, I'll tell you. I I did come into it late. I guess compared, like Alex, you said that you watched it when you were a little kid. Like that's that's not that was my experience. I actually my in addition to just being aware of it because of pop culture, I went to uh, man. I don't remember which of the big parks in Orlando it was, but you know the one that would have the the psycho. Not the psycho ride, but the psycho exhibit or whatever. Uh, you know, there's I'm like still kind of surprised that there is a a, a psycho attraction. Like that's. Well, a- I, don't, I don't even know. I don't even know if it's still there. But it, what it was was like you walked in, and it was. I think they were showing. It, it wasn't just like psycho. They were like sh- they were walking you through like a bunch of, uh, you know, filmmaking related uh, attractions, yeah. and then the psycho one was like you walked in, and they had like a a mock up of the the bathroom set, you know, with the, for the shower scene and they have cameras set up mm. there and they're like, we're going to show you how like, you know, it's like 40 shots, I think, in the, in the, the sequence. And uh, they would ask for a volunteer and you went in there and, uh, and they basically reenacted the shower scene with you. And they would show you like how they would shoot it. And then they would play it for the audience. They're like, look, it looks just like the movie. And of course it didn't look just like the movie, but it looked enough like the movie that people were amazed at the filmmaking. And, uh, I remember having uh, a reaction similar to the one that we were discussing in Contrarian's Corner, where I was just underwhelmed. I was like, wait, <laughs> this is what everybody yeah. loses their mind over? Like, we just redid it, and it looks... It doesn't look like somebody's getting stabbed. It just looks like trickery, you know? Like, different... Like, you just move the camera yeah. around just enough so that it doesn't... And so I remember being underwhelmed by that even before watching the movie. And then uh, when I finally got to it, it's one of those things where the hype was weighing heavily on my mind as I was watching it to where I was having trouble appreciating everything that it does well. And I was more quick to just point out everything that didn't work. And uh, for mm-hmm. the longest time, I've been uh, pretty vocal about <laughs> whenever somebody brings Psycho, I'm like, oh yeah, that movie that absolutely ruins itself in the last 10 minutes when some dude comes out and starts explaining what's happening. Uh, and yeah. that is obviously me kind of like trolling people, but I, every time I've watched the movie, uh, I've appreciated it more, but I think that it does a lot of things really well. I think it's a really quirky movie. I think it's really, um, it does a lot of things that I don't know if they're necessarily the best way of telling the story but they certainly keep me interested enough to where I can appreciate it. Like, oh, you know, he killed Marionov halfway through the movie. And, oh, then yeah. he killed Arborgast <laughs> just like 20 minutes later. Yeah. And uh, every storytelling choice is just really, I guess, off the wall enough that I... It's bold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I appreciate it. 
you know and and then i don't like the ending i don't like the you know the big exposition at the end but even taking that aside like i i think that it's a it's a bit of a like a thrill ride but like we said in contrarian's corner like when it's over i don't really have much to say about it you know it's just like yeah that happened <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I didn't really get any particular insight in anybody uh that was part of this story i i didn't really come away like enriched and unfortunately like it also didn't like change my world in like blow my mind the way that it would have if you know it was the 60s when i was watching it and and all right. this stuff was happening for the first time um that You're is the worst know, that, julio that can't be helped but i can still like unlike what i said because there's corner i can especially now like I'm older. <laughs> I can transport myself back to yeah. the sixties and really appreciate what it was doing back then, and just the, the yeah, the boldness of it, and just how uh, you know we're talking about the, the remake fucking with audiences by doing the things that it does, and I also that is in the spirit of the original cycle fucking with audiences also mm-hmm, um, for sure. Much like uh, Reese, and I don't know how many uh, more of you like I, Hitchcock is kind of a big blind spot for me. So I can't really speak to where Psycho stands uh, in the big like arc of Hitchcock's filmography, but it's still like I can tell you about how it stands like as far as overall cinema, and I think that it rightly occupies that spot of you know being iconic and people uh, uh, something a point of reference when it comes to movie making. So, so I give it its props, Alex. <laughs> but I know, I, but I also walk away from it not like loving it, just more like appreciating yeah. where it sits. It's like the Halloween thing. Like I, I get furious with you because you don't feel exactly the same way I do. <laughs> <laughs> he was flirting with you. I guess he must have noticed my wedding ring. And yeah, context, like you said, Alex, is just is huge, and not only the novelty and the filmmaking approach and style and delivery, but you know the ris- risque aspects of mm-hmm. you know the opening and um, even you know. Psycho, the type like the concept of a psycho, psychoanalysis, psychology, um, the approach to mental disorders and stuff was just so much different than than it is now. And now there's a lot more storytelling that involves like dissociative identity disorders and all this stuff. It's a lot more delved into. And I guess back then it's like, oh, yep, this guy's crazy. <laughs> And that's uh, kind of how put a stamp it, on it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a good point too. Yeah, it's, are you saying that Split is the modern day Psycho? Everything <laughs> is like tries to be the modern day Psycho. I mean, that's the whole fucking point. Like, there's so many things since this it, that have either outright just like parodied it or tried to like recreate it, and that's what's always interesting. Is like it always seems like in some cases genres you know, things can be outdone, but this still seems to really stand the test of time. And I think the subject of context is a perfect segue into jumping into the remake from 1998, because I think it missed the point, you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, Julio, let's, let's go ahead and get your quotes and then I'll kind of kick it off and throw it to a panel discussion. Uh, all right, just like in Contreras Corner, I have three quotes. This time they're rotten, and this time they're about the Psycho remake. We're going to start with AJ this time. Uh have Derek Adams from Time Out, who says, Hitchcock probably wouldn't tell this story if he was making films today, and he certainly wouldn't tell it this way, with internal voices, back projection, minimal nudity, and violence. AJ, what do you think Alfred Hitchcock 
would uh, would have to say about about the Psycho remake? Would he go and like shake Gusman Sand's hand and like well played, or would he be just horrified? Yeah, I don't know. I'm mean, especially the minimal nudity and lack of groping actresses and stuff might be <laughs> not Hitchcock style there, but I again also echo you and Reese with the somewhat of a blind spot for Hitchcock. Uh, I'm seen rear window and I appreciate that dial in for murder and then north by northwest I've always seen like in bits and pieces on TV but um I just kind of get the feeling that him comparing himself to anyone else especially emulating his own style is going to be very critical of so I don't think he would I think he'd tear it apart even though it's shot for shot his uh his daughter said that she thought he would be flattered by the remake that was basically the extent of what she said so yeah well there you go she would Hmm. know interesting um all right uh reese madeline mcdonough from tv guide says what scared audiences then will almost certainly strike kids raised on the unholy trinity of michael jason and freddie is quaint and slow were you raised do you qualify as a kid that was raised on the unholy trinity oh uh yeah more mike myers than uh the other two uh, I was a little later to the party with uh, Jason and Freddy. Uh, but yeah, definitely raised on Halloween. Uh, Mike Myers, he's my he's my mascot. Love that guy. <laughs> so about Chucky. So was this, was it too quaint and slow? <laughs> What's this guy talking about? Uh, I brush up against that because I don't consider these in the same genre. Like, um, yeah, Psycho is very much, I, I don't consider it quite a slasher. It's a... Uh, I would more equate it to serial killer type movies. Um, it's like a suspense thriller. I, I always, I'm with you. I always take kind of umbrage when people say it's like, you know, one of the original slashers. I'm like, nah. yeah, that's, I, you know, I, I almost take umbrage when people say Texas Chainsaw Massacre is an original slasher. It's like, well, so for yeah, Psycho, I'm just on. like, this is like a fucking suspense thriller. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Texas Chainsaw, it kind of evolves into that. It realizes, oh, there's these this iconography. But yeah, that first Texas Chainsaw Mass, it is not it is not of this same league. Yeah. Uh so yeah, uh she wrong is what I'm gonna say. Um <laughs> but I also don't like the movie. So like I'm she's wrong, but I agree it's not good. <laughs> so um. All right, Irina, you get the last one. Uh, Mike Kerrigan from Box Office Magazine says, It's not so much that this movie didn't need to be made. The real tragedy is that a group of enormously talented people wasted several months of their lives when together they could have done something fresh and exciting and original. I would actually say that's 100% true. (laughs) I would say this movie didn't need to be made, but yeah, there are a lot of talented people in there that they put a lot of effort into something that didn't need to be there in the first place. So Julio, can you can you read that review again for me real quick? That was that was made just for you, Alex, by the way. This quote is just Alex Mattis. <laughs> it's not so much that this movie didn't need to be made. The real tragedy is that a group of enormously talented people wasted several months of their lives when together they could have done something fresh and exciting and original. I need like I'm gonna copy that and just like quote tweet it like constantly like every new Marvel project that's announced every reboot or remake just there you go every every new Halloween movie <laughs> well that's different all right come on see uh-huh. you got I have the feeling different. that Gus Van Sant kind of did this out of a place of more of the artistic side del tour mm-hmm. whereas the, you know the, some yeah. of these other remakes are 
just you know, money driven for sure that's mm-hmm. that i 100 percent believe that that that's like really yeah. the only logical explanation for why he at his time of most swelled interest chose to do this it's obviously something he wanted to do however ill-advised you know yeah it did give the feeling of something that he meant to be a love letter to hitchcock but it it just kind of fell flat on its face I almost feel bad about it because of that. Like other, like you said, most times it's a cash grab. This time, I I really feel like Gus really wanted to make something that he was passionate about, and it was like, guy, this I, is just I not don't what know. People want. Okay, so I was researching this. I think he did it strictly as like an experiment. It was like, let's <laughs> see what happens here. Like he was a big fan of the original, but it's like it, he almost approached this as like an exercise. Yeah. Like versus an auteurist, like this is my own take. It was like, how close can I get it? Well, a creative it, exercise, and I guess uh, yeah, because you have Finding Forrester immediately after this that I think was pretty well acclaimed as well. Yeah, it's uh, um, but like yeah, like you said, he. What I was telling Julio, what I was reading about, was he had like he was constantly watching the movie on set so that even any errors or like you know goffs he included in his version of it like he talked about like there's a scene like a key or a door opens without a key that he made sure to include it definitely seemed like an exercise in like obsession uh, or bordering on Mm -hmm. obsession but it's just we call that passion (laughs) he's the real psycho (laughs) but like that's it how i just don't understand like it it seems daft to think that a movie that you take the exact same movie 40 years later and expect it to work in that time period but you, okay, like, yeah. okay well here's here's my the, the the point that i did bring up in katrina's corner and because this is something i actually fully believe and, and that is that i mean we do that we we do that with place and so there mm-hmm. is a, a place in uh storytelling and narratives that we create for ourselves to to reenact uh stories almost beat by beat. I mean, yeah, every director will give it its own spin, but, uh, and I know we, we talked about this when we're talking about the, the most recent little women uh, adaptation, Alex, where I was like, there's some stories that just, you know, get told every generation. And uh, I mean, uh, yep. does psycho need to be one of those? I don't know, <laughs> but I, I, you could make the argument that it is. And so, yes, it's always the same story, but what flavor does the, director the, the mind behind it brings to it okay uh, okay that that you can throw that ball but it only goes so far because there's things change in that time period like number one 400 grand doesn't go missing from a bank and they just put a pi on it that is like number one right there and so like immediately that like took me out of it it's like all right this is a long ways down the road and shit's a lot different now uh, I can buy that in the 60s. They try they tried to be a bit more, you know, formal, keep things off the books, that type of thing. But 400 grand going missing, the movie's over. Right? It's the fucking <laughs> beginning of Empire Records. It's like arrest the kid, the movie's over. That's kind of like the feds are there. Yeah, exactly. That's that's one thing here. And then two, because of that, there would be law enforcement on the case and uh vince vaughn like i was joking about just does a horrible job of securing this crime scene and so it's just (laughs) like these are the types of things you can buy at a much simpler time but in you know trying to make the exact same story 
in a different time. And I mean, I don't mean like the theme or the characters or something. I mean, the like beat for beat, the exact same fucking story that you can only take that so far, especially when it involves murder and crime and stuff like that, where uh, approaches to solving those have advanced. So, and also what was William H. Macy wearing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know. That, uh, is, that is probably the whatever most William H Macy wanted to wear. <laughs> yeah, that's the answer. Are. He's like, oh, this is that's what we're doing, guys. We're just we're just playing around. Okay, then I'm gonna dress. I like feel him. like he was the one that was back in the the, the other. <laughs> yeah, era. he like, like he walked in like, on the scene like, yeah, you see, well, <laughs> here I'm gonna solve this oh crime. Right Women, get out of the scene here. Yeah, <laughs> over here to shama crime. That's um. fucking hilarious. Julio made that same joke when we did our YouTube thing. He was like, he thought it was just remaking it based in 1960. <laughs> Everyone else like showed up in contemporary clothing and whatnot. He Can like, I shout out James Romar, by the way, who did the, 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 yes. like the highway patrolman? Yes. You slept here all night? Yes. As I said, I couldn't keep my eyes open. So. There are plenty of motels in this area. You should have, I mean, just to be safe. He did like that is the most like exact one for one I've yeah. ever seen. Like it was so good, but also like you did the exact same thing. It was almost uncanny how accurate. Well, it they was. even got the weird audio thing. Like even in the original, I don't know if anyone else thought this, but like yeah. with the police scene, I was like, why does the audio sound weird? Yeah, and they did the exact same weird audio thing in the new one. I was like, what? It was what? almost. It was almost where I kind of for a split second saw Gus Van Sant's vision where I was like, oh, this is this is interesting. <laughs> he got like, you for a second. He like, got you for a second. I was like, you are really tapping in. To, yeah. Well, but, okay, but Alex, uh, I'm going to push back a little bit on your on your criticism of it because I agree. Like, there's a lot of the story that doesn't make sense once you move it to 1998. But are you telling me that you would be okay with this Psycho remake if they smooth over those tiny bits of plot would you still be happy it existed look remakes are they're damned if you do damned if you don't it's a situation of like um i'm sorry i watched the monsters yesterday so rob zombie's fresh on my brain his halloween from 2007 (laughs) Mm -hmm. he tried to have his cake and eat it too with that in that he made like two movies yeah it's half what they did here and half like his own vision Yeah. yeah and it garnered a lot of divisive um feedback where in like here you're already remaking a movie like psycho and even in an age of 1998 the late 90s when the remake craze and reboots were you know still tame very tame compared to today's standards or since what's Mm -hmm. happened or since what's you know gone down since uh People would still, I I know, met this because I've read the contemporary reviews with like, why the fuck are we remaking Psycho? So if you're going to do that, you need to do something and put your own spin on it. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's the what happened here is just the idea that he made the exact same movie. People went into it like, why is this happening? And then it was over. It's like, what was the fucking point of that? <laughs> so in a case like mine, those little things that I called out, that's what you're stuck with fixated on. Or in my case, you're fixated on because it's n- there's nothing new for me to sink my teeth into and nothing different. And the whole time I'm just like, well, I'd rather be watching the original or I'm thinking, no, well, that's changed since 1960. Why is this the case, you know? So uh, I appreciate your argument, but you are wrong, sir. But you're telling me <laughs> that there's nothing new. And I, I would tell you that what's new is the 
the lead performances. Like, (laughs) and I'm sorry, there is the one new line of dialogue where Julianne Moore says, I got to get my Walkman. (laughs) Hey, that really makes a difference. I don't know if you. Uh, I'm immersed. Have you rewatched it since? That line goes up in stock as you watch. In 10 years, they're going to CGI an iPod there. (laughs) <laughs> to your discussion point, as we move into the performances here, Julio, uh, I think there's there are some positives we can say about some of the performances in them. A complete waste of Julianne Moore, though. Uh, you know who, um, Julio and I were kind of going back and forth about this, and I said I was going to bring it to the table. Who was the get in this movie? I felt like Julianne Moore probably would have had the biggest name at that point in time, but looking over her filmography, I'm not entirely sure. Does anyone have an opinion on who they think the biggest name would have been at the time? Because it wasn't Vince Vaughn. Vigo uh, Mortensen. No, I think I think it is Julianne Moore. Um, I, was this the same year as The Lost World Jurassic Park? I know Julia brought that up. I know she had been in Boogie Nights and... Uh, so the Boogie Nights is oh, 98, Boogie Nights. right? No, Boogie Nights is 97, as was The Lost World Jurassic Park. So both. Yeah, so she's, she's yeah. the biggest name, I think. Okay. Vince Vaughn was still coming up. He was in Swingers, I think, at this point. Uh, Anne Heche, not. I mean, I, she's never been that big. Uh, and. Vigo Mortensen. No, Vigo Mortensen. <laughs> no. Wow, dude. But yeah, a complete waste of Julianne Moore. So, Julio, I, I know. You've been very cryptic about this, and I know you want to talk about Vince Vaughn, so go ahead and lead it off. The performances in the 1998 Psycho hit me with it. Uh, well, I mean, I just like short and simple, I like them better. It, I mean, that's not to say I think that the performances in the original are bad, but I think that if you were going to – that's really why, to me, this one is – you know, why you make – why you remake Psycho the way that he did it. Uh, ultimately, maybe this wasn't his intent, but it is to give – uh, Vince Vaughn the chance to play Norman Bates uh, and to a lesser extent to give Anne Hage the chance to play uh, Marion Crane and, and maybe a little bit further down the line <laughs> let Viggo Mortensen can I Lumis. say can, can I off the Vince Vaughn of, mm-hmm. of it all what you're saying that scene where I, I think the cop pulls up and he's just holding like all the stuff that he's just cleaned up and he drops it and the the expression that he makes just when he realizes like oh I, I i could be caught red-handed here i thought it was legitimately hilarious but <laughs> i mean he's he's funnier and it's it's kind of unfortunate because you can't unsee the Vince Vaughness of him that you know like when he does the the giggle like you're like yeah. oh well i've seen him do that in so many other movies, except that he was not being creepy. He was just like, that's part of his, you know, smart mouth persona. And uh, I yeah. found that entertaining. Uh, I can't see. I, I said I can transform myself to the 60s and imagine what it's like to see Psycho for the first time and, you know, have the movie do all these things for the first time. I have a lot more trouble transporting myself to 1998 when Vince Vaughn wasn't like comedian Vince Vaughn and watching watch this performance and just appreciate it for what it is instead of appreciating it as I do now. as like, oh, something really weird yeah. that I don't see Vince Vaughn do very often. So uh, that is how I experienced the movie, though. And going back to like the, the, the idea of 
place. You know, it's like if you put this on stage, that would be the big incentive to go see it, right? You get to see Vince Vaughn play yeah. Norman Bates. Oh, Vince Vaughn does. Yeah, and I exactly. wouldn't be disappointed. Yeah. Like, I would watch that performance like I did when I watched the movie. I'd be like, all right, he put his own spin on it. I think it works in the, you know, within the, the context of a movie that doesn't work as said in 1998, but that works as this weird fever dream of a psycho remake. You know, it's like I walk mm. away from it and I was like, that was Norman Bates that might not be better than the one that Anthony Perkins gave us, but it's certainly not worse and it's definitely memorable. So that's yeah, a win that's, for me. That's the big, yeah, it's the big argument with this is like, do you, I, it, do you hold film more sacred than theater? And is and when when this movie comes out, it, I guess it's very important to understand. Like, what was the design on this? Like, is this to be better than Psycho, or is this just to riff off of Psycho, uh, as or, or just carry on the legacy? Where it's like, hey, we're we're just carrying on the torch. We know the originals better, but. Just reminding you, Psycho's around. Here's a recasting. Here's a rebranding. Here's a re. Just put the name out there. Yeah, and reflect like, it. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like no no one does this for film. Like it's it's weird. It was weird. Yeah. Uh, I like the the other performances too. I think that William H Macy is uh, he's in his own movie, and that's he is. <laughs> I like yeah. I like the performance, but Alex, I don't care about why the cops are not chasing her for the $400,000, but it does take me out whenever William H. Macy is there acting like his, you know, he just walked through a portal <laughs> from the 40s in 1998. Uh, he's I, like, a fucking, it just reminded me of playing L.A. Noir again. Like, he's one of the cops in that game. Like, I was just like, what are you doing, yeah. man? <laughs> like the Uncanny Valley, uh, Yep, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Like, yep, <laughs> yeah, yeah, watching it, it's like, dude, Beautiful People's like one of the hit songs on the radio. Why are you still dressed and talking like that? Come on, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is so weird to think that this is like the new metal era and this movie's <laughs> come out. <laughs> now, you see, that's exactly my point. You said nobody had been here for a couple of weeks. Now there's this couple came by and uh, yeah. they, they didn't know you were open. Yeah. Well, as you say, old habits die hard. Reese brought up that uh, Marion's sister gets more agency in in this version, and I agree. And I think that that's given that it's basically the exact same script that is all on the performance that Julianne Moore gives. Uh, so yeah. I don't. I even also do- don't like her in this movie. If I'm being perfectly honest, really? Wait, the new one? Yeah, I like oh, that you're she. Dumb. No, I like that she has agency. But I feel like the direction for her character was like, be angry in this scene. <laughs> Because uh, she was angry because her sister was gone. No, but like with no nuance, it was like, okay, in this scene, you're going to be angry as you say this. I disagree. And like, <laughs> I was just. I think Julianne Moore sold it. Mm-hmm. I think that she was a great addition. I'm not saying she's a bad actress. I'm just saying. You're saying she was bad in this. Is I'm what just saying, saying the direction was bad. No, the it's, direction was fine. No, David, go home. <laughs> I'll, I'll take her being angry over over whatever was happening with her character in the in the original because the original is just it's not i mean going back to where it's not memorable you know it's just it's just the sister character and, i'll and agree here, it is it is more memorable than the the one from the original my sister yes. <laughs> yeah uh and, and same for for vigo i think that he's he he made me uh enjoy the scenes with sam loomis which i don't I, I don't enjoy them in the, in the yeah, original. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Alex, give me that at mm. least. Viggo Mortensen is more charismatic than uh, John... Gavin? Doe? No. 
Uh, I guess. I just... Come on, say something nice, Alex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Philip Baker Hall's fucking awesome. Yes, he is. And, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, he is. Irene referenced uh, Mrs. Doubtfire earlier, and we have uh, the caseworker who plays Philip Baker Hall's wife in this. She was the caseworker in Mrs. Doubtfire. So there you go. Uh, Everything comes uh, together. A connection. It's true. It's true. Um, what? I'm trying to think of what else I can say that's nice. Robert Forster. <laughs> Robert Forster's great. There's just a problem with like, uh, and I feel bad picking on Anne Hache given recent happenings, but like the one thing that like stuck out to me that like to me epitomized how she kind of missed the point and how the movie was kind of the movie kind of missed the point was um, remake, whatever you want to call it. In the like, it's the same fucking script pretty much. In that opening scene, we're in that hotel room, and uh, Loomis. I keep wanting to say the doc, but it's not Doctor <laughs> Sam Loomis. It's just Sam yeah. Loomis. He's talking about the alimony payments and shit, and all the bills he has to send off. And he talks about like he tells Marion, you know, you can come with me if you want to lick the stamps. And Janet Lee says it like eagerly and almost like sexually, like I'll lick the stamps, and then. Uh, Anne Hayes just delivers that line so flat and emotionless and just what? <laughs> just fucking robotically that I was just like, all right. It's a very important scene. Hard disagree. It, I, I think it's that the first Anne scene of the movie. Gives it more. I, I think Anne Hayes gives uh it. I'm not again Janet Lee's performance. I think that she does, you know, what she does in that movie and, and she's really good in it. But I like the the way that Anne Hayes plays the character more because I don't know if it's just that she makes her more relatable. She sounds a little more realistic with the way that she, or she just has better chemistry with Viggo Mortensen. But I, I, I like the playfulness that they have as a couple. Whereas, like in the, in the original, they just felt like, I don't know. I wouldn't say like two strangers, but I didn't buy that they had a relationship. You know, they're just. Well, you sex. see, I could I could potentially buy into this argument you're making if they updated the dialogue. But since they're using the exact same dialogue and it's coming from a movie that I just watched, that is very. It's acting and Hollywood and, you know, what that was back in the fucking 50s and 60s. And then they're saying yeah. those same lines, but they're trying to put like a modern grunge twist on it. It's like, motherfucker, just say something different. <laughs> just talk like you want to talk in 1998. So I'm not saying that your point couldn't be correct. I'm just saying the way it was delivered to me did not make the, the point that you're trying to make. I think she's totally down the middle, like it, it, between the two of y'all. I think she's fine. Um, oh, no, I read I didn't like her haircut. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, she's fine. Like, <laughs> All right, I'm going to give my hot take now. I've been waiting. All right. All right, go for it. I'm on Julio's side here. Hell yeah. And I think <laughs> it has less to do with the new one being better and more with the old one just not being as good. And <laughs> I think that I'm just going a hot take here. I think that it's one of those movies that, you know, there's a list of movies that you cannot talk bad about because everybody believes it to be good. And so, like, if you want to be a cool kid, you got to say you like it because that's what everyone else says. I'm a movie critic. Therefore, boom, fresh status. You know, I, I'm i sorry. It, mm. it, it was fine. It was nothing. You, you think the first Psycho was fine? I think the original fine? was fine. Okay, David. Okay, we didn't talk about it in the last Real Talk for Psycho. I think the original Psycho is a masterpiece. <laughs> yes. I, uh, yeah, you are, is, you're just the same as everybody no, else no, out there. No, no, I'm not. It is David just... turning heel. It's nice. a fucking good I've movie. I've been waiting. No, I've been waiting to say this. it's a fucking great movie. Like, I'm just going to say, it, 
it's it gets really boring for a couple parts where I'm just like I'm barely holding on and it's just interesting enough in the story to make me go okay well what's going to happen next and then it goes through another boring period and then I have to kind of it and look and that's probably because of the time that we are in and the new one doesn't really make it any better I'm not it's, it's just that the dialogue whatever from between the two of them they're both bad to me I think well, that's the same dialogue. But uh, hey, Alex, I can give you uh, David's address uh, if you'd you know, like. You want to give me a call? Like, <laughs> uh, I love it. David, just the sleeper agent in this uh, in I, this chat. I was dropping a bomb. Look, I don't. It's it's one of those things I was thinking on the whole time because it's a lot of the criticism that I was quote unquote faking during the actual like you know contrarian's corner. I actually did kind of have fault with the dialogue. I don't care if it's the 60s or not. It wasn't great dialogue. I don't care if it's we, the I think, 60s. I think people write it off as the fact that they like, don't get a we don't understand they, they we don't understand it because we weren't living back. That's just how people talked. I don't think so. I think that that was well, just okay, they're like okay, this is okay, how people counter talk. argument. No when you watch a movie today People don't talk like that either. No, that's it, why you, that's the new the way movie you wasn't just, good either. That's why you, you have to present it in a way to an audience where it is it is just recognizable enough as a real situation that you can identify with, but it's played up for I dramatic effect. the tropes like it's, were good. I think that the acting was pretty good with, for some of them. I don't... I, another hot take. Don't think Janet Lee that was that great. I think that I think Norman Bates was the highlight of the original. Okay, at least you're acknowledging that these are hot takes. I know, they I know, fully are like hot takes. I know. The Tommy gun about just it. spraying bullets all over the room. <laughs> Norman Bates, though, I thought was really good. These are raging hot takes. <laughs> no, wait, are you saying people didn't like Norman Bates back in the day? The what's his name? Anthony um, Perkins. I'm blanking. Perkins. Perkins. Just, Anthony, Anthony Perkins. Perkins. Yeah, I just I like keep, Anthony Perkins. I keep thinking about David saying it's not how people talk, and then going to his letterbox and his number one movie's Juno. <laughs> uh, I don't think you'll ever find that. In no, my his number one box. movie is uh, Mummy: Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, where people talk <laughs> oh, completely <damn> logically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, every scene is beautiful. Fever I would pitch use it as Jimmy a screensaver. <laughs> Jesus. See, the, the, the thing with dialogue, though, and I, I will, I, I think that there is a difference between. It's like the two things. It's like the way people talk in movies and the way audiences are used to people talking in movies. And so that changes. Mm -hmm. So back in the 60s, when you heard that type of dialogue, you're like, okay, well, that fits what I expect when I go to the movies. And then as... Julia, are you trying to separate yourself from me oh, now? No, 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 Is that no. what you're trying to do? I'm, I'm just saying... <laughs> are you trying to like, wait a second, I'm not with this guy. He's abandoning <laughs> No, 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 I'm just saying well, that... The, the, David, you, you leaned a little too yeah, hard. You're scaring I'm on me Julio's now. side, buddy. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just saying that the argument that, you know, this is not how people talk, that, that usually doesn't... You know, once you look at most movies, like, well, generally, like, nobody talks the way that people talk in movies, but it's just that... We kind of get used to it, and and then along comes a movie. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that changes the game, and so somebody like like Juno, like um, Diablo Cody, or somebody like Quentin Tarantino, or somebody like Kevin Smith, you know, mm. they come in mm. and they have a new style, and then that style kind of takes over, and it goes from like people don't talk yeah. like this to like people talk like this in movies, and, and so on. So yeah. I I don't have a problem with the dialogue uh, in either one because you know the the remake is just so bananas that I I don't mind that they talk that way. <laughs> It, yeah. It, yeah, but I can totally understand why. I mean, I have that problem when I watch older movies. Um, it just I have to 
get myself in the mindset of just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch something that was made decades ago. And so the way the the speech patterns and the rhythms and all that stuff is going to be not what I'm used to. And sometimes I can get past it. Sometimes it really makes it hard for me to get mm-hmm. into the movie. It's just, you know, that's just how it goes. Well, it's easier when you have an art, like a director who does an artistic take on dialogue versus somebody who's trying to make a realistic take, but it's slightly uncanny. So like take, for instance, uh, like Wes Anderson's dialogue, totally unrealistic. Yeah. Totally fits his world. And I'm, I'm okay now with you're that. you're pushing Alex's but when we're, buttons all over the place. You don't like Wes Anderson? No. Yeah, well, you know what? I honestly, guess what? Who has the hot take now? <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely by modern standards, it's me. Um, well, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Uh, that's a bit shocking because I, not just you, but like um, Julio coming away kind of saying like just unaffected by it uh, in complete sincerity. When this was uh, the original, when my viewing for this was over, my fucking mind was like blown all over again. Are you kidding? Dude, like <laughs> I the like the shots in it so there's this shot that like when she goes into the bathroom at the dealership to counter money the way this shot is angled and it's using a mirror in it like my fucking mind was just blown by it and uh no it's it's beautifully shot and then i forgot how terrifying the shower scene is what it is i forgot how terrifying it is when he kills uh arbogast though the way Mm -hmm. like the I forgot that it goes to that overhead perspective, and then Norman just storms out into the hallway, and it's a good two seconds before the re re kicks in. So it's just kind of yeah. like this kind of almost jump scare of him appearing and then stabbing yeah. him in the face. And yeah, dude, like when this was over, I was like, holy shit! And the exposition, yeah, and the 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 basement stuff too. I, like I thought that was legitimately scary. The basement stuff was about the scariest yeah. stuff in this. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if the woman up there is Mrs. Bates, who's that woman buried out in Green Lawn Cemetery? All right. Well, I think it, it's only fair that we give scores for both movies. Uh, we're going to go around the table. Let's do it. Alex does letter grades. I do on five stars. You guys do from one to ten. That's fine. Everything, everything and anything goes. <laughs> Alex, we should start with yours because yours is probably are probably the most predictable, and then we'll go through the franchise killers, and then I'll close us down if if that works for you. Yeah. Uh, so number one, Anne Haney is the actress's name who I mentioned, the caseworker, Mrs. Doubtfire slash uh, Sheriff Chambers' wife. Um, I gave credit to Philip Baker Hall. Also, we accurately gave props to James Remar, Rita Wilson. I was just about to say we needed to give props to Rita Wilson because she has fucking one scene in the movie, but she's just clearly so happy to be there and recites those lines very well. I was bummed they didn't have like for the rich oil tycoon have like who would have been Billy like Bob Brian Denny, <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton, Brian Dennehy, someone like big and loud coming in and being like, well, I do declare, you know, that type of shit. But, you know, <laughs> take what you can get. He came pretty close. He was hamming <laughs> it up. I was. Burt Reynolds coming off of Boogie Nights is who should have been the oil tycoon. Ah. In this. That would have been interesting. 
Uh, yeah, the Psycho 1960A+. I'm not going to consider the 98 one a failure for many of the reasons we've hit on here. There's uh, an interesting varying level of performances in it. Um, it clearly came from a place of passion, intrigue. Uh, it came from a place of a director that had an opportunity to do something he probably didn't think he was going to, to take a chance and do something. which. You yep. know, I'm all for that. Cool. If it sucks, it sucks. But at least you tried something. You got out of your comfort zone or you used your platform for good as opposed to just, well, let's just fucking make something that'll make money. Uh, so I give that a D. Hey, that's not a complete failure. <laughs> no. I made it through high school. <laughs> yeah, D's, man. You get D's, get, deg- get degrees. There we go. That's, I <laughs> graduated college because I got a D in a class. So there you go. It was literally the scene from Tommy boy. I was in (laughs) one of the science buildings at UNT. I was like, I got a D I'm going to graduate. Julio, I'll let you throw it over the franchise killers after you give me your uh, star ratings for these two movies. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm I'm following it up. Okay. Uh, The original gets a respectable four stars. All right. You know that that final star is just not there for me because, like I said, it just it leaves me a little empty. And I do y'all do half stars or no? Yeah, we can do half stars, and you guys do fractions okay. too. So yeah, that's whatever it takes. Yeah. But yeah, that uh, I think for comparison, uh, and I don't know if you remember this, Alex. I do because I had to look it up recently. I I gave the the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre four stars as well, and it was even though they're very different movies, it's kind of like the same uh, experience in the sense that. I appreciate the thrills. I appreciate what it was doing at its time and what it does now. But it's a movie that, you know, when it's over, I'm like, all right, now I move on to the next thing. So <laughs> that's so it's four stars. And then I'll be honest, I hadn't really thought about what I was going to give the remake. I was just mostly thinking of my defenses. I I guess when it's all said and done, I'll give it, I'll give it three and a half stars. And I know that's nice <laughs> it's a lot of it is carried just by vince vaughn's performance and the in and Hayes's performance i i do like it and i and i appreciate just the <laughs> he won an oscar and he did this like gus van sand just decided this was is what alex just said like this was the one time that it could happen because he had all the power in the world in a way in and he did it so how do you guys want to uh want to go David, you start. You start. You're you're well, our connection you, here, uh, so well, I, fine. Um, the the thing with us is we go out of ten, and I came up with my scores in my head before Alex and Julio went, and it just so happens that if you take Julio's score and multiply him by two, you got exactly what I already came up with, <laughs> which is uh, the original for originality for doing something that hasn't been done. It gets an eight. I was thinking about giving it even lower. Um, but you know, for originality, the fact that it made such an impact, it gets it gets points for that. Um, cool. But you know, if I went off of my pure enjoyment, it might be a little lower. And then if we're going with the remake, the fact that it did such a good job with, I think I think the acting was fine. I think I it's admirable, but it's not original in any way. So I was going to give it a seven. seven out of 10. <laughs> so literally, what I did. It's a, I thought you were going to go harsher on the original. All right, David, toss the ball at someone in, in your team. Uh, Reese, I guess that goes straight to you. All right, uh, for posterity, I'm going to give you all, all the ratings, uh, whatever. Here we go. Uh, original Psycho, if we're going 
out of stars, I will give four and a half stars. Uh, I legitimately think that they could have improved on the opening to this film, making the objective more clear, uh, why there should be tension here. I do, I, I pick up the ball later on and it's fine once yeah. she's driving, but, uh, I think the initial setup of this movie is a little wonky, and I find this score to be uh, annoying until we Tedious. get to the... <laughs> my God. Uh, it, it, it's just like plinking in my ears constantly. It, it doesn't. There's no variation to it. And yes, we get to that iconic scene, and yeah, I'll keep, I'll keep that. But uh, other than that, it's a great movie. It's iconic. I love it. Uh, even and, and this should show you, I, I was into this movie later than most. And it still really, really worked for me. So uh, four and a half stars. Uh, that translates to our scale uh, as a nine. Mm -hmm. So nine on our scale. And I'll give it a, an A, not quite an A plus, but an A. Agreed. Across the board. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing all of them. <laughs> uh, so the remake. Uh, uh, this is the most like on the fence type of movie ever. Because I admire the experiment. I admire the the just like this is in a way it is the most generic, but also the most unique remake ever in its approach. So I'm splitting down the middle. It's a two and a half stars. It's a C minus. It's a five point out of ten. So that's the psycho remake. Amazing. Uh, uh, Irina, go for it. All right. I think I'm going to go with our um, scoring through 10, just because that's familiar. Uh, original Psycho, I will give a 9.5, mostly because of the things you already mentioned, but also like this one little thorn in my side from that movie is the big just dump of information at the very end, which <laughs> in my mind is... It, it's a dated thing where the rest of the movie surprisingly doesn't feel that dated to me. I actually agree with you. Like I there, to are, mention that. there's something about it that I, when I watch older films, I think like, oh yeah, this is kind of dated, blah blah blah. I'll I'll overlook that. But I actually found myself getting immersed in what was happening, and also these characters and the actors and actresses' performances that I. I forgot kind of when it was made. So that's my, my 9.5 is just for those small errors. Actually, something I learned was that little info dump at the end wasn't even Hitchcock's original intent. He didn't want that there. That was studio meddling for some reason. God. I didn't look any further into it, but it was definitely something he didn't like and a lot of critics didn't appreciate either. So moving on to the remake... <sighs> this one's really difficult because watching that movie gives me the sense of having double vision where I can't actually focus on the object in front of me because I'm seeing two of them at the same time, <laughs> which is yeah. I'm watching the movie, but I'm also in my mind is this very prominent image of the original. So I can't even look at it correctly or focus in on it at that, all that's so well put i i, I agree so yeah. i it, it's just something that shouldn't have been there to begin with i i find i didn't really learn or gain anything from sitting in on it so 
Three. Three out of five? <laughs> wow. Three out of five? Three out of ten. Oh, Hell three yeah. out of ten. Wow. Get him. <laughs> it's always, it always catches me off guard when Irina turns out to be the savage one. Yeah. It's a very rare occasion. It's like, I appreciate a lot of things that are in it, but you you sit there and you're like, I don't know why I'm watching this. I should just put on the original. Like, I don't, I don't get why I'm here. AJ, close it out for us. All right. So I'm going to be contrarian uh, in the spirit of this show to all these scoring ratings. And on a scale of red to violet, this is an indigo. (laughs) Indigo. All right. Uh, That is the original. Fascinating. Um, I guess that translates to a nine out of 10. Um, I really appreciate the original here for the novelty of what was done technically at the time, as well as the faithfulness of a book adaptation, which is always impressive and maintaining a compelling story uh, visually. Um, The score, I mean, it's it's set precedent uh, is the biggest takeaway for me. It's something that sets a benchmark for so many other things to come. And it's always interesting, especially like, you know, Reese and I come to this movie a little bit later than some other people and Oh, that's where that trope comes from, or that's where this, you know, the sound comes from. Um, seeing the original doing it and um, yeah, all its glory is always rewarding. Um, so that's I really appreciate the original Psycho. The remake, I kind of, I'll be fully honest, I was falling asleep. Um, I don't even clearly remember the ending of it, and that's just. I don't know. Maybe that's just how the movie was and <laughs> kind of is arena's, arena's point. I don't know why it was made other than just an artistic experiment, which I do appreciate, but also don't necessarily value my time with. Um, there are some things that are told a little bit more streamlined in it um, and recharacterized. I think as oddball of Vince Vaughn's casting was there's still some slight nod to the original character in the book from him um I don't know I'm middling I'd say four out of ten for the remake Bob run out and get yourself some lunch oh that's okay I bought it with me run out and eat it all across the board that's where we are yeah. Could have asked for more uh, more variety on our ratings board. I love it. Awesome. So we put both psychos to rest. We've scored them. We've put a stamp on them. Several stamps, actually. Uh, now uh, it's it's time for another franchise killer's plug. I know you already told us what your show is about. Now, tell us where to find your show and what's going on on your show uh, when this comes out, which will be uh, roughly in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so you can find our show on all podcasting platforms. Uh, we're currently doing the Terminator franchise. We're halfway through. Uh, we've got, again, Julio will be uh, featured on our next episode. Or it'll already be out, as I already said, because y'all are, I think, releasing this a little later. And we've got that coming out in a like a day or two. So that'll be Terminator Salvation. Super fun episode. Uh, Julio really uh, makes a go at it defending uh, Terminator (laughs) Salvation. And he's not really alone. We have another, uh, another one of our people there also likes the film. So uh, he's not the, the sole defender. That's, that's the show we talk about franchises and uh, one-off wannabe franchises. It's a, it's a fun time. 
Get so. interact with us with Instagram, Twitter. Uh, yep. I don't know if we have Facebook or not, but kind of Facebook. We got to pick the ball back up on that one. And uh, yeah, our episodes are on YouTube as well. So there's that. Do you guys know what you're doing after Terminator? Uh, I don't know if we have a title for the next miniseries, but it's... Uh, it's David's Baby. David, do you have a title? I'll just say Troubled Superheroes. <laughs> yeah, I would say Dark, Troubled, Dark, B-Side B- Heroes. I don't know. Yeah, so we got, we're got we starting off with Hancock. That'll be oh, interesting God. with all the Will Smith so, stuff. So. Uh, <laughs> like the other guys of the superheroes. The other guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the mundane was, superheroes. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, please don't this, say Hancock. <laughs> this series is going to be kick-ass. Well, oh. if you know the the, uh, the series, we like to sandwich the good movies in between two, like, maybe more contentious, <laughs> I don't know, not widely well-received films. So. Yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. That's how it goes. It'll, it'll be fun listening yeah. to you guys talk about it. Uh, but anyway, that's the Franchise Killers plug. I keep calling you guys killers when I know it's killer only. Ah, it's fine. I like. I don't mind it. Go for it. I mind it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for having us. This is awesome. Yeah. No. This was. I couldn't. Yeah. So much fun. We couldn't have asked for for a better conversation. I think this was. It was great for real because we didn't. uh, We didn't agree on everything. We had lots of uh, points to be made from every side. Uh, This was. This was fantastic. It'll be a lot of work to edit, but. It's, it yeah. should be a lot of fun. And, and, and can I say, it was so hard cracking the code on how to defend the the remake, but once I was able to like find my way in, it was so much fun. I was about to like, say, <laughs> you you took the stand and you just went for it, which was, uh, that was the end of Psycho. You were the psychiatrist and you just told us how it was. Uh, so I, was, I don't know if that's good. But, okay, but better. You were over Forcer. You were not uh, yeah. the guy from the, yeah. the original so be sure to follow Franchise Killer on all of their social media platforms and find them on your local podcatcher. Thank you, lady and gentlemen, for being with us. Much appreciated. Uh, Julio, <laughs> what is on deck for us? Alex, we, we come to uh, the final stop on our Twilight journey. Uh, another horror story of sorts, rounding up October for the Contrarians. We got to do Breaking <laughs> Dawn, part one and two. Man, we did two movies in this episode. Technically, we're doing two movies in the next one. We may have overloaded ourselves in October. But that is coming up next. Breaking Dawn is rotten. So we're going to be talking about it like uh, as if it was fresh. Surely that will Those be Those last two are bonkers, by the way. So. I've never seen them. So this... <laughs> this should be interesting. Uh, looking forward to it. It's, you know, you watch three Twilight movies. It's, you're already invested. There's, you have to find out what happens. Yeah, at, the at, end. at this point, we got to just close the show out. We got to stick around <laughs> for the encore and see what happens. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but that's what's happening next. So, Alex, get us out of here. All right. Moving into perennial plugs, we give thanks to the festive years who provide our opening and closing tracks. They kick us off with Last Stand, take us home with Summer of 99. Be sure to head over to thefestiveyears.com for any and all festive years needs. Our friend and fellow podcaster Hans Rothgieser is the man behind our logo and all the other uh, contrarians artwork that you see everywhere. And our webpage, our Patreon page, our merch page. That's all Hans. You can contact him on Twitter at Mildemonios. That's M-I-L-D-M-O-N-I-O-S. Uh, or you can check out all his other work uh, his website mildemonios.com uh, check out his books check out his podcasts check out his artwork he's a great guy thank you Hans for all your support 
and thank you to Zoe Perez who continues to help out. Well, first of all, she's the reason we're doing this whole Twilight Saga, so I guess thanks, Zoe, for that. But more importantly, <laughs> thank you for the work you do on our social media. Uh, if you haven't already, facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime and at Contrarian Prime on Instagram. Be sure to follow us there. See the video clips, audio clips, images that Zoe posts. Uh, it helps make us look a whole lot more professional than Huli or I could if we were left to just do it ourselves. So Zoe, as always, appreciated. Uh, appreciated to our guests and appreciated to you, the listening public, for tuning in to yet another episode of The Contrarians where we're right and you're wrong and we will catch you next time. Oh.